So today we're going to do part three of our series within a series on the presence of God. And it, for me, is the, the place where hopefully we get to the pinnacle of what God is saying to us in this season. And, and I've kind of had this psalm in my heart for years. It's been a psalm that I've loved because I relate so heavily to it. And it's Psalm 73, so that's going to be our rock scripture for this morning, is Psalm 73. And it's, and it's a scripture, like I say, that I've, I've enjoyed for a very long time because it reminds me so much of myself. And it starts off and it says there, Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled and my steps had nearly slipped. And, and, and the thing I love about how the psalm is introduced is not, but as for me, my feet had stumbled and I had slipped. I've fallen away. I've, there was just, it speaks of a moment when there's a loss of judgment, a moment when there's lack of clarity. And there's a reason why, and in verse 3 it says, For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs unto death. The NIV says they are not plagued by human ills. Uh, their bodies are fat, uh, fat and sleek. They are not troubled as others are and are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongues struts through the earth. Therefore his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. Uh, Shanae's uncle once said in a meeting, he says, don't you hate it when people use TLAs? And I have no idea what they're talking about. What's a TLA? He says, no, three-letter acronyms. <laughs> so... Uh, the three-letter acronym that I've, I've got for, for this here, what this guy is speaking about is social media syndrome, SMS. We don't use SMS anymore. We used to talk about SMSing, and now it's texting and WhatsApps. But social media syndrome. When people present on social media a highlights reel of their life, and often we can look at it and get caught up by the fact that it looks like some people's lives are not plagued by human ills. That some people's lives just seem to be going perfectly. That there's nothing wrong. And, and we often, even in movies, see it depicted as the, the quarterback jock and the, the captain of the cheerleading squad. And they're people who we, we love to despise but secretly want to be with them because their presence comes with incredible prosperity and it comes with, with popularity. So you often see the, the kind of group of people that look at them and are, they despise them because how they are treated by this jock and this, this captain of the cheerleading squad. But secretly they wish to be a part of their little group of cronies because it comes with kind of this popularity that they desire. And this is, this is what the psalmist is saying here. For I looked at the, these people and their lives just seem to be prospering and, and nothing goes wrong. 
It says in verse 11, and, and they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? How can God know? Sometimes when we look at these people, it's just like, does God even see what's happening in their lives? Now, Emmanuel, the other day you shared on Psalm 139, where can I flee from your spirit? Even in the depths, there you are, O Lord. And we know when we filter these things through the right perspective, we know that we can't flee from God's presence. We know that He's all-knowing and all-powerful, but sometimes in the moment, it just feels like, Lord, do you even know what these people are doing? Do you know that their mouths lay claim to heaven and they they, they just their tongues strut through the earth. Do you realize what these people are saying? Why are they 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 just continuing to prosper? Why are they living a life the way that they are? Verse twelve says, "Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease; they increase in riches." Now I know the psalm was written free from social media, but I can imagine the psalmist sitting there in a crowded area, maybe in the marketplace, as he watches these people walk through and they just bully people out the way and, and, and people look at them with envy because of what they have and how they operate. And he goes on to say in verse 13, All in vain I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. NIV says, Surely in vain I have kept my way pure. Why? Because I walk with an uprightness. I walk in, in a way, Lord, that you've called me to. And I'm taking strain, but look at these people. They don't even know you, and they seem to be prospering. It says, For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. Now, I know in marriage courses they say you should never use never, always, sometime, or every time. Every time you say this... All the time you do this, these words, they speak of an absolute permanence. And here the psalmist is saying, for all the day long, I have been stricken. He's lost sight of anything good in his life. And he's just looking at the fact that life is tough and life is hard and it's not easy. And don't you realize, don't you realize what I'm going through when these people who don't know you act the way that they do? It's a how we feel moment. It's a feelings thing. I often said, we had a guy, his name was Eric, and Eric used to do lapping at Nexus. Now, lapping is uh, you put mechanical seal components onto a lapping machine. It's a thing that goes around and around, and you use diamond liquid to flatten the surface. But literally, your sole purpose is to watch this thing go round and round and round all day long as it polishes these surfaces. And you have to have someone watching it to ensure that there's liquid there the whole time to lubricate and to, to form this, this little kind of liquid that, that, that polishes these surfaces. But it is the most monotonous, mind-numbing job that you could have. But Eric used to sit there smiling the entire time as he did this. He loved his job. He loved what he was doing. Eric was an incredibly valuable individual because to replace Eric was very difficult. To find someone who would find life in that was a very difficult thing. But it was an entry-level position. And I often used to say to my guys at the office, used to say, our emotions can, can be like these entry-level positions. They are important. They are vitally important. But they don't carry the authority of decision-making. 
Colin was our workshop manager. Colin was the one responsible for making decisions. We need to be careful that our emotions are, are not given authority in our lives to make decisions. But they remain important. They're integral to who we are. But they're not decision makers. They don't have authority. And here, when we start looking at this and saying, for all day long I've been stricken and rebuked every morning, what happens is we start to elevate our feelings into a decision-making authority position within our lives. And things go pear-shaped from there. Verse 15, it says, if I, had said, if I had said, I will speak this, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed a wearisome task to me. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways and He'll make your paths straight. And I read this quote this week and I just loved it and how it tied into this. It says, When the Bible says do not lean on your own understanding, the Bible is being serious. Your heart is deceitful. Your emotions fluctuate. Your understanding does not see the overall big picture. But remember, God never lies. God never changes. God knows all. So trust Him. Here, the psalmist is trying to understand and it's become a wearisome task because this isn't something he needs to understand, but this is something he needs to trust God in. And here's our moment. This is where the psalm takes 180, like I was saying earlier about being on the beach and there's this, this northeasterly blowing and then all of a sudden there was a calm for a moment and then this gale force wind shifted and there was a southwesterly that came through this is the moment in the psalm where things shifted. And it says in verse 17, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I discerned their end. Until I entered the presence of God. There was a shift when the psalmist walked into the presence. It was at this point that made the distinction between him almost slipping and him actually slipping. Because what happened is he actually walked into the presence of God. Condemnation separates us from God. Conviction draws us into Him. The distinction between the two, it often feels similar, but condemnation is not of God. Conviction is, the Holy Spirit has been sent to convict the world of sin. Conviction highlights the fact that we're falling short and puts out a hand for us to grab onto so that we don't slip. Walk down the, the stairs with my girls before and sometimes they'll slip and I'll grab them. And they don't fall because I'm holding their hand. And this is what the psalmist is saying. It says there, Truly you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors, like a dream when one awakes. O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant, like a beast towards you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you will receive me into glory. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you receive me to glory. There was a perspective shift. The other day, I was driving on the, dropping the kids off at school. 
and there was a bucky driving the other way, and I saw these people just throw litter out of the, the back of the bucky onto the side of the road. And I, I was angered by this. I'm like, what are you guys doing? And as I drove, I looked to see what they had done. And it was two seemingly brand new masks. And what had happened was, in retrospect, I think the wind had picked it up off the back of the bucky and blown these people. Now, they had driven well off. And I just thought to myself, all of a sudden, there was a perspective shift. And I thought, shame, these poor people are on their way to do a job. And they're probably going to need masks to enter. And their masks have just flown off the back of the bucky. And they've just lost their masks. And they're not going to be able to go on to work. And there's going to be a problem. And, and I don't know what their hearts must be feeling right now. But all of a sudden, I had this paradigm shift in my thinking. Because immediately I was like, why would these people just throw litter off the, the back of the bucky? But when I saw what had actually happened, there was a perspective shift. And my heart was like, oh. Shame, man. They've just lost their masks. Because I had seen things differently, and the psalmist sees things differently here. And he has this perspective shift. And I said, we're going to reach the, pin the pinnacle revelation of our series this morning. And verse 25 is it. It says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth I desire besides you. The psalmist starts off by looking at human things and he, there's a desperation and a desire. Surely in vain I have kept my way pure is where he gets to. But when he enters the presence of God, his perspective shifts and he gets to this point in the psalm where it says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth I desire besides you. This is not saying there's nothing on earth I desire, but nothing on earth can compare to you, O Lord. Nothing on earth is as important as you. Nothing on earth comes close to being in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord my God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. We looked in, in, Psalm, in verse 1 and it says, Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. And it ends off by saying, in verse 28, But for me, it is good to be near God. Look at how the shift comes in the mindset of the psalmist as he enters the presence of God. I want to spend a few minutes just going through some of these things. The thing I felt God say to me in the, in the midst of this is, if we place ourselves in competition with the world, so if we as believers place ourselves in competition with the world and feel like we are losing, our motivation for sharing the gospel leaves us. If we place ourselves in the presence of the king, we cannot help but be consumed with compassion for the lost. An earthly perspective filters out our heavenly mandate, and a heavenly perspective ignites, anoints, and releases ambassadors into the world with such passion that unbelievers cannot help but desire to meet Jesus. So when we place ourselves in competition with unbelievers and we see that they are winning, all of a sudden, our emotions start to flare up. 
and we start to lose the desire to share the gospel with unbelievers. We had an experience this week when we realized that someone was working with, for us has been stealing meat out of our deep freeze upstairs. And immediately there was this frustration in my heart. And as I've been going through this message, I've realized that for those who don't know God, it says there that he, they perish and he puts an end to those who are unfaithful to him. Why? Because God is just. The psalmist ends off by saying that I may tell of your works. Why? Because when we start to see how quickly the, the, those who don't know God just dwindle and fade away, there's a compassion that stirs up within our hearts. That's saying We can't let this happen. Lord, we desire to see these people come to a place of knowing you. The fulfillment of earth will never be enough to meet an eternal desperation. In Ecclesiastes it says he's placed eternity on our hearts. There's an eternal desperation. And even these people who walk around with arrogance and malice, who lay claim to the earth, they are trying to fulfill an eternal desire with earthly things. But we have an opportunity to share with them. But our perspective needs to be that of a heavenly one. I once heard of a, a guy, he was in a, led a church out in Edenvale, and he was leading the meeting, and worship was taking a little bit longer than it normally does. And one of his elders came to him and said, Greg, I think we should wrap up worship now. It's taking a little bit too long. We need to get through. We're not going to get through all the, the formalities of the meeting. And the statement that, was, that Greg made was, lift your kite up above, above what is happening in the meeting and into the heavenlies where the Holy Spirit is moving. And see what God is doing. And I landed up having a worship meeting that day. Because the Holy Spirit was moving differently. To the formalities of the meeting. We need to be a people whose perspective is based on the presence of God. The perspective is based on heavenly places. Philippians 3 verse 20 says. But our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. And from it. We await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. We as believers need to have a heavenly perspective because our citizenship is from heaven. I often filter things that I see out in the world through being a South African. So when I see things happening, I, I often compare it to South Africa because my perspective is that of a South African because that's what I know and that's what I experience. So even if I go overseas, I still hold a South African passport and my citizenship is based here. So my perspective is that of a South African. My perspective isn't that of an American. Or my perspective isn't that of a... A, a, a European who lives in England or an Australian. It's different. Why? Because this is what I know. This is the, the background that I've got and this is the filter that I bring. And God's saying he transforms us that when we come from a heavenly citizenship, our perspective is different. Romans 12 too says, Do not be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we don't allow the world to 
to transform us. We allow God to transform us and therefore we can speak this transforming power into the world. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. Why? Because we are citizens of heaven. Therefore we become ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive, uh, not, not to appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. That's our mission and our mandate as ambassadors. But I know for me personally, I've had these moments where my feet had almost slipped. And I've started to see the world and the prosperity of the world. And I've had my moments where I've said, Jesus, Lord, surely in vain I've kept my way pure. But God in His grace, though I'm like a brute beast before Him, draws me into His presence. I enter the sanctuary of Him. And all of a sudden, my perspective shifts. Remember walking through four ways more years ago and I was in a very judgmental state and I was looking at the way that some of the young ladies were dressing and I was just like, what is on earth is up with this? I mean, it's revealing, it's, it's just this and, and I just started to be super judgmental and I remember God shifting my perspective and it was an incredible moment, Holy Spirit-inspired moment that was incredibly embarrassing for me because what happened is God started to reveal hurts in the lives of these girls. And I burst into tears and I walked through four ways more sobbing as I looked at hurt in the lives of people because they were hurting and they were broken. And I remember coming and, 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 and the, the statement that I felt God give me was sometimes you see the flirt and sometimes you see the hurt. We need a heavenly perspective in what we do and where we come from. And, and my prayer for us is that we will step into the sanctuary of the Lord when we have these moments where things seem to unsettle us, that we will step into His sanctuary, that we will never place ourselves in competition with the world, but that we will always place ourselves in a place of compassion to see them irrespective of their earthly wealth, prosperity, popularity, um, ease of life, knowing that if they've never experienced the love of a father, if they've never experienced the presence of the living God who welcomes us in as children, they've never experienced anything. Because those things cannot compare to the love of God. So Lord, I pray for your presence, Lord. I pray that your presence will bring a heavenly perspective. And even this morning, Lord, that we will just be reminded of our citizenship, reminded of our mandate as ambassadors for you, that you will renew our minds to be in accordance with your heavenly perspective, that we will step out of the temporal and into the eternal, that we will dwell with you. And Lord, I pray for us this morning that we will be a people who say, but as for me, it is good to be near God. I've made the Lord my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. 
that we may be a people who declare whom have I in heaven but you, and there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Lord, I know that our flesh and our hearts may fail, but Father, thank you for being the strength of our hearts and our portion forever. Lord, may you use us, may you anoint us, may you draw us close. Father, I pray that there will be a supernatural outpouring of your presence in each one of our lives, Lord. And Father, I pray that we will present to the broken a Father who wants to welcome them in as children. Pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, King. Amen.